We don't shy away from a challenge here on the Beauty Business Podcast. We've done episodes on unsexy subjects such as KPIs before, and just earlier this week, we tackled the fun that can be had with finance. But an episode on health and safety? Can we really light a fire in you when it comes to health and safety in your business? Not a real fire, obviously, one of those very safe, healthy, fake fires, but a fire nonetheless. Anyway, you tell me, have we made the importance that health and safety plays something you can get excited about in your business? Listen up. Creating the spa, the salon, or the clinic you really want doesn't have to be so hard. Mastering some basic principles, put in place some key strategies, and that'll give your business the strong foundation it needs to build from. Then, throw in the right mindset, some proven systems, stretching yourself just a little bit outside of your comfort zone to boost those confidence skills, and understanding how to market your business properly, and your success becomes inevitable. Problem is, no one ever taught you how to do that, and that's what I'm here for. Welcome to the Beauty Business Podcast, National Spa Week Specials. With over half a million downloads, it's the number one place to learn the skills to maximize your health, beauty, or wellness-based business. My name is Adam Chatterley, I'm your host, and I've been helping spas and salons all over the world to succeed for over 20 years now. And with the help of some hand-picked experts, I'm gonna help transform your business starting today. Welcome to another very special episode of the Beauty Business Podcast. It's already day five of National Spa Week. And all this week, we're focusing on some essential skills that every beauty business owner, spa manager, or director should know, especially in the world that we're living in right now, to help keep their clients safe and their businesses thriving at every possible opportunity. Now, as I mentioned, all week, as I record this episode, spas, hospitality, and beauty businesses, indeed pretty much all public-facing businesses in England, are right at the start of yet another month of enforced closure as we enter what I'm calling lockdown 2.0. Now elsewhere in the UK, similar restrictions are in place as is the case in many parts of Europe and maybe where you are too. Now look, hygiene and safety is nothing new to our industry. It's been a staple of our industry for years. We just became so good at hiding it from the client so as not to spoil their experience that many including apparently those in government, didn't appreciate just how much of a semi-clinical environment we already worked in here in the health and beauty industry. But I know that the mention of words like health and safety, or particularly health and safety inspection, pretty much cause a panic in any business owner that I know of. But it needn't be that way. In fact, it shouldn't be that way. That's why in today's episode, we are focusing on health and safety, and we are answering your biggest questions when it comes to this topic, including the number one question that gets asked whenever today's guest goes into a hotel or a spa to provide training on health and safety. And I wonder what that question could be. Now, I'm joined by Gareth Jones, and if anyone knows about health and safety, it's Gareth. Not only is he a chartered member of the Institute of Environmental Health, but he has been one of those environmental health officers. And now, with his 30 years of experience in health and safety, he runs Clifton Environmental Services, a consultancy company providing support to businesses in over 60 countries. Wow. But fortunately for us, he's based here in the UK. Now, I think we've done it. I think we break down the tricky topic of health and safety and bring it back down to earth so that you can see how it really is designed to help and not hinder your business. So let's get your questions answered. And Gareth shares some funny stories from his time working in health and safety. No, seriously, really does. Just listen. But before that, you know the drill by now. I'd like to give a mention to our sponsor for today's Extra National Spa Week content. You may have heard of them. Dermalogica, anyone? 
Now, today, Dermalogica is the number one brand used by professional skincare therapists all over the world. Here alone in the UK and Ireland, over 30,000 skin therapists make use of their award-winning training to deliver their clients the very healthiest of skin. They support skin therapists with professional-only advanced formulations, which can be powered up with state-of-the-art modalities for every client's skin, providing the most up-to-date and memorable services. Now, if you want to find out more about Dermalogica and what they are doing to support their spa and salon clients, just check out the links that I've placed in the episode description and show notes pages, which you can find at www.beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 105. Right, let's get down to some serious as well as some not so serious health and safety talk. So I'd like to welcome to the episode today, uh, health and safety expert, Gareth Jones. Gareth, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Adam. It's uh, good to be with you. Thank you. So um, so that's what we're talking about today. And as I explained to you, we are very much this week throughout National Spa Week, um, just kind of refreshing, I guess, the basics and, and looking over the things that, that it's really important to keep on top of within your business, whether you are new into spa management, whether you've been moved up a level, you know, or even just whether you've, you've taken over a, a new role and you want to make sure that everything is, is kind of covered off. Now, health and safety is definitely one of those crucial things within a business that I po- probably feel when it comes down to a business is maybe sometimes not the business's top priority because it tends to be things like revenue and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it is crucial. And certainly in today's world, it's even more vital. Wouldn't you agree? I would certainly agree. Uh, certainly agree, Adam. And um, perhaps for those uh, listening, it would be uh, uh, useful for me to explain my background. Um, I was many years ago, for the last 30 years, I've been a health and safety consultant, predominantly mm-hmm. in the hotel industry. But prior to that, I was an enforcement officer. I was uh, an environmental health officer. I'm sure many of your listeners have uh, had experience of uh, environmental health officers visiting their businesses. Yep. <laughs> and, um, and certainly, yeah, I think that in my experience on the enforcement side of things, uh, when you met people, people were generally always trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there was often a lack of understanding, I think, of the, uh, not so much the critical nature of health and safety, uh, but the significance of getting yep. it wrong and the importance of uh, getting it wrong. That was certainly something I came out, came across. I think that's true because I think, you know, in a, in a sort of whimsical way in everyday life, we we tend to decry and bemoan health and safety a little bit. Um, and, and it kind of gets a bit of a bashing for that. But I think what would actually be really useful to cover just from a very kind of top level is, you know, let's, let's initially look at, you know, what are the potential... Um, what are the potential effects and effects on a business and on an individual in a management position when it comes to health and safety in a business such as a spa or, or a hotel? So it's it's interesting. When I do health and safety talks, um, the the question that comes up more than anything else, and completely understandably, I'm not in any way ridiculing anybody here, uh, is, uh, you know, uh, can I go to jail? And uh, I think that's a completely understandable question uh, from people in a, in a management role, uh, especially people who are new to, uh, yeah. new to management Imagine. roles. Um, I think we should, uh, it probably would help if we uh, just uh, looked at uh, the way the law works. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very top end uh, of health and safety law, if I can put it like that, uh, is the law of manslaughter. And there are um, without frightening anybody, there are that. two. That suddenly sounded severe <laughs> to go in at the top with crikey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I thought we'd put it out, get it, get it and put it out of the way straight away. So you have manslaughter and you have what we call corporate manslaughter. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what 
sometimes the worried well don't realize is that uh, the bar uh, for that sort of um, uh, offense, if I can put it like that, is very, very high. Um, you know, clearly somebody has to die, uh, mm-hmm. very sadly. There has to be a duty of care. Uh, the bad news for your listeners is that if you're operating any business, you've got a duty of care to those that are connected or involved in the business in any way, shape or form, including the customer. Of course. Um, uh, but the most important thing is there has to be gross negligence involved. And uh, again, particularly for those who are coming to a management role, uh, maybe for the first time, uh, it's important to understand, I think, what sort of uh, actions could ever get you into this dreadful area of the law. Yeah. Um, you know, a simple mistake, uh, a, a, an accident uh, does not necessarily constitute manslaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, what has to happen is there has to be, in the face of all knowledge, in the face of all information, a, just a, a willful attempt to completely ignore that danger. Uh, so I would say to somebody in the spa industry, uh, the leisure industry, you know, if you come to a new role, what you don't do is you don't uh, suddenly cancel contracts. You don't suddenly say, oh, we don't need Legionella protection anymore, for example, <laughs> from Legionnaire's disease. You know, don't act until you've read, is what I would say, until you've got the information. Yeah. Um, but if we put that very extreme case, and, and perhaps I could give you an analogy here just to try and try and help people understand it. Yeah, I think that'd be really, really useful, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, the story I always tell is, is you know, I'm a teacher, for example, and I, I, I'm in a school and I've got a bunch of sick formers. Mm-hmm. And I say, look, you know, it's the end of the school career, end of your school time. I'm going to arrange a whitewater rafting trip. You know, would you like to come on it? And tragically, in that event, you know, we lose one person o- overboard. Yeah. Would I be necessarily facing a manslaughter charge for being the organizer? Now, the reality is that this is criminal law and the prosecutors would have to be confident they would get a jury to agree with them. And I think that the listeners, if they were to reflect on it, would they be 100% sure? I'm not sure they would. If I now give you the same scenario, but now I'm a primary school teacher and I've got a bunch of seven or eight-year-olds and I take them whitewater rafting, I think most of the listeners out there would be thinking, what was he thinking about? And that just gives you a little taste of the... The yeah. extreme nature of, of, of what we're saying here at the, at the top end. Yeah. So context is actually quite important as well then. I, th- I think so. I think right. so. So we should move on quickly away from that now. to, to <laughs> that, the, that scary yeah, scenario. Yeah. To, indeed, that's scary. To, to the Health and Safety Work Act, 1974. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Health and Safety Work Act, we call it like the Enabling Act because there is a, there is a myriad of regulations that fall below the Act of Parliament. And uh, it is possible to uh, be challenged either on the Act itself, non-compliance of the Act, or as a result of regulations. Right. Here, um, the penalties are still very significant. Um, it is still, and this is something that I think some people find difficult to, to, uh, to appreciate, it is still criminal law. Right. So this is not, uh, this is not a parking offence. This mm. is not even a a speeding offence. This is proper criminal law, and uh, it, and it brings with it the the inevitable repercussions. If if you did get it wrong, uh, badly wrong, and you were prosecuted, particularly on a personal level, um, you know it does leave uh, a criminal record, uh, and as I say, the penalties can be significant. And the penalties 
financially uh, can now be extremely significant. They are intended to hurt, if you know what I mean. And uh, uh, we had uh, something called the sentencing guidelines that were introduced a number of years back. And and they very much ramped up uh, the penalties for health and safety offences. So it is essential, I think, for uh, people in business out there to to understand the risk and to manage the risk and to manage it uh, effectively. So just to be clear then, so if, if I'm a spa manager working for a company, you know, um, and in this scenario, what is it? Is it the company that faces the the potential criminal charge, or could it be me personally? Yeah. So you know, ninety nine times out of hundred, uh, unless you are what we call the heart and mind of the business, mm-hmm. um, it would be the corporate body right. that would face uh, it would face the prosecution. Where that might differ, and it might sound slightly unfair. Uh, but in the eyes of the law, it might differ is if you were a sort of owner director of right. a spa business mm-hmm. and, you know, you may be employed two or three people or five people to help you. But every single decision and every way you went was yours. Right. Uh, in, in, in those scenarios, the enforcement authorities may say, well, actually, you know, OK, he might call himself ABC Spa Limited yeah. or, or she might. But the reality is that he or she was really the person who was the business. So, so that's the scenario where you can be found guilty personally, potentially, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, in, in reality, and again, I, I'm sorry to harp on about this, but I know it's what uh, people are focused on. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you're very unlikely to go to prison, uh, right. extremely unlikely to go to prison, particularly for a first offence, you know. But suspended sentences do occur in, in very severe cases. Sure. Um, uh, but as I say, fines are, are, are a normal penalty, and they can be uh, they can be uh, challenging, should we say, for a business, mm. particularly in today's uh, uh, today's day and age. And so they should, should be to you know, yeah, absolutely. And, and and again, I think for your listeners, just to understand, you can uh, you can be insured, mm-hmm. uh, and this is also extremely important for uh, a totally different area of the law, what we call the civil law. I've been talking about the criminal law. Yeah, uh, civil law is uh, uh, basically uh, anyone's opportunity to sue anyone for anything at any time. And, uh, <laughs> I love that definition. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't mean they're going to be successful, no. uh, but they can, they can do so if they, if they so choose. And you know, we've seen it particularly in the sort of no win, no fee scenario where mm. people will um, seek legal uh, support on a, on a, a no win, no fee basis. So um, this is like, you know, slippy floor, someone's fallen over, broken the leg, um, can't work, uh, and they, they sue for damages, essentially. That, that, that's, Adam, you're completely correct. And, um, you know, the, the scenario I gave you earlier on about criminal law, mm-hmm. uh, the, the massive difference is in criminal law, the prosecutor has to prove beyond all reasonable doubt that you are culpable. Right. Um, with civil law, um, that is not the case. It is mm. based the decision on what we call the balance of probability. Okay. And the challenge here is that an insurer uh, may often uh, look at a case uh, in a different light from the insured and think, well, actually, we'll cut our losses here mm. and uh, maybe we'll, we'll make some offer to try and minimize the ongoing costs of a potential, a potential lawsuit. Um, so, you know, you, you can't. You can't prevent these things, in my opinion, no. as a as a you know spa operator, leisure operator. 
Uh, what you can do is you can protect yourself in terms of having adequate insurance in place. Um, what you can't do is you can't be insured for a criminal fine. That's, no. that's not permitted. That has to come out of your own pocket for obvious, obvious reasons. Um, I, I think actually also, Adam, it might be worth me just talking about a couple of other scenarios with enforcement officers. Um, uh, an enforcement officer comes in, if they feel that there are issues that you are not controlling adequately in the eyes of the law, then they have two other options. Uh, number one is to serve what we call a prohibition or an improvement notice. Mm -hmm. Um, these actually are not quite as terrifying as they sound, uh, as long as you as long as you respond to them properly. Um, <laughs> don't ignore them. Exactly. Yeah, you definitely don't ignore them. Definitely don't ignore them. But as long as you respond to them properly, then you know, fine. In the eyes of the law, you've done what you were meant to do, and and you can you can move on. And then the final thing they can do, which is that, let's be positive now, is the thing that they do most of all uh, is they can offer informal advice. They can uh, and they they can be they can be very supportive. Uh, and, and in my view, I think if, if uh, in business, I think if you um, uh, accept that they're there for a purpose, mm -hmm. work with them, um, you know, your listeners will find that enforcement of, of officers are not to be feared. Uh, they are normally very decent, helpful individuals who... Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and this is kind of, you know, coming back to the whole reason for health and safety, especially at work. You know, it is not there to be a nuisance. It is not there to, you know, just to be this extra level of bureaucracy to annoy you you know it, it has a genuine purpose and you know we are lucky to have it in place and it's funny you were saying to me that as, as an, a previous enforcement officer yourself um like you said that the vast majority of time officers are there to give assistance and advice because at the end of the day no manager can understand and know absolutely everything about health and safety so they are there as a resource to help you more than they are a um body to come and I guess caused you grief. Uh, that, that that is completely correct. Yes, and they they they're not on opposite sides of the fence either. They're trying to achieve what most, uh, what what all, in my opinion, decent businesses are trying to achieve. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there's nobody out there who is uh, a legitimate operator who wants anything other than the best for their customers. No. So you know, it's very much a, a, an aligned service, in my view. Of course, it is excellent. So, okay, so we've got the the big questions out of the way. We're probably not going to jail unless we do something very, very wrong. Potentially, if we've not got our eye on the ball and we're not listening to the advice that we've been given, there could be fines involved. But that's, again, that is at the, the you've found to be culpable either in, in civil or, or, um, or criminal fashion. But moving those extremes to one side then. So if you're new in a position as a spa manager, what should the things, what should be top of mind for you to be sort of checking over to make sure that, that the health and safety is kind of covered and in place? Before I talk about maybe individual areas of potential yeah. risk uh, within the business, I think that center stage of everything in terms of health and safety is risk assessment. Yes. We call it. Okay. Um, yeah. Is a is a sort of systematic. It's a it's a legal requirement mm -hmm. uh, and a systematic analysis of what you are doing in your business and how to mitigate, how to reduce risk as far as is reasonably practicable, is is very much the key issue for any operator. Now, risk assessment sounds sounds quite daunting. I I, I imagine. You know, it, it sounds like a big involved process and, and lots of 
time and effort and paperwork and things like that. Um, and I think to a certain extent, maybe to small operators, that that almost puts them off a little bit. Um, but like you say, it is vital. But you know, talk us through the, the actual the basis of risk assessment, what it it really is designed for and 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 covers. Yeah, I think it does put people off. And and you're right, there is paperwork involved. Uh, the law requires that anybody who has more than five employees hmm. uh, has to record the findings of their risk assessment. If you've got less yeah. than five employees, then actually. Uh, you don't need to record it. You need to have it in your head, but you don't need to write oh, okay. it down. I, I, I would stress, however, to to very small operators, you know, who are under under five employees, I would still suggest they write it down. Although yeah. the law doesn't require it, it's good practice to be yeah. honest, and it makes a, the process a lot easier for you. I I do think that there is a. I'm not saying I'm not quite sure. I'd call it a misunderstanding with risk assessment. I think there is a misdirection in terms of what people try to achieve with risk assessment and how they think they might protect themselves. Okay. And um, uh, people are generally quite risk averse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one of the things I see, uh, both as an enforcement officer originally, now, now as a consultant for many years, is I think that people think, I've got to cover every eventuality and, uh, and I need to have enormous amounts of paperwork here yeah. uh, sitting in a file so if somebody comes after me, I can point to something. Yeah, and that yeah. ironically is completely the wrong way to go about it. Okay, right. Okay, yeah. Because I'm, I'm suddenly pitching, you know, health and safety folders along that. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's the image I'm looking at behind you. Um, but like a row of health and safety folders along the top with yeah, every single possible eventuality of what could possibly happen to everybody who's ever walked through the door. Yes, and and I think if you approach it like that, then you are likely to, to, to really fail in what you're trying to achieve. Firstly, right. the very serious significant risks will become swamped. And, um, and, and you, sometimes you won't even see them. Uh, we had a very, not, not in the leisure industry, but we had a very uh, interesting uh, site once. It was a very top-end hotel. Certainly had a lot of leisure there and a lot of spa facilities. Okay. And uh, one of my colleagues came back and said, my goodness, they had, um, they had eight different risk assessments uh, for different chairs in the office, uh, but uh, this uh, this rather high end facility uh, uh, allowed helicopters to land with guests, and they didn't have one for the helicopter landing. And it sort of rather <laughs> showed, showed the whole problem that they are so fixated by chairs that they'd missed the, the real proper risk that, it, that existed. So what I would say to what I would say to listeners is um, sometimes less is more with risk right. assessment. So what you need to do is you need to look at your operation, especially if you're new to, uh, to a management role, look at the operation and think, where is the real genuine risk? The regulations that sit behind the requirements to do risk assessment actually talk about this. They talk about the fact that you should be looking at significant risk. So focus initially on you know, where might things really properly go wrong? in my operation. And you can't do that, in my view, by sitting at your desk. You need to get out and look around uh, the operation a little bit, you know, and and look at it in in all lights, at all times of the day, um, uh, in all scenarios, busy periods, quiet periods, you know, look at it in the round uh, Mm -hmm. before you make a final judgment about where you think the real risk is. And also, what can be very useful is, is look back. Look back at what's happened in the past. 
look at any incidents you've had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it may well have been a minor incident, uh, but if you analyze that now, what you can stop in the future is the major incident, the really yeah. bad one that you, you don't want to, uh, to have to experience. So looking at some history, um, read up as well. Um, there, there is a, a very, very good um, uh, amount of information that's available online. Um, which um, uh, perhaps I could just talk about now very briefly. Yeah, no, I think that'd be really useful. Thank you. Now, yeah, the the Health and Safety Executive mm-hmm. um, in the UK is the sort of parent body, if I can call it like that, for health and safety. And uh, local authorities who enforce health and safety in many of your listeners' businesses, the local yep. environmental health officer, ultimately, they sort of, you know, uh, uh, um, bow to the health and safety executive, which is the government department. Mm-hmm. Um, if your listeners go onto uh, the HSE website, which is uh, www.hse.gov.uk, mm-hmm. uh, they will find a fantastic amount of information there um, guiding them, uh, some industry specific, yeah. um, some general, uh, that will really help educate. Um, and uh, and point you not in just the direction of where risk exists, but also where real practical controls come from and what the level of expectation in terms of controls are. Because going back to the subject of risk assessment, mm-hmm. uh, the other major failure that we see is people very quickly identify risk because they think by identifying risk that they're covered <laughs> and uh, they can see all the danger. And then with a risk assessment, the end result is what is the control? So I might decide that I've got a particular risk. I might decide what the likelihood and outcome of that risk is in my, in my effective risk assessment. And then I've got to decide what I'm going to do about it. Mm-hmm. This is where we see the weakness. You will find people. Uh, recording controls like work safely. Well, that means <laughs> that yeah. means nothing at all. It's a little vague. It, obviously, you want to work safely, you know. <laughs> um, and where you can get great information with the HSE website, as I say, is, is if you're looking, for example, um, at uh, you know the risk of a spa bath, for example, mm-hmm. you know, hot tub, spa bath, you know, whatever you like to call it, um, then. There is fantastic information, as I say, on that website that will guide you properly to the controls that you need to be in. Excellent. Excellent. And for someone who's, let's say, let's say it's a new manager and then they're just not familiar with doing a health and safety uh, risk assessment at all, um, you know, is there places, will the HSE, will the um, local authority, do they, do they have any sort of um, service or offering where, a new manager can actually go to and say, look, I'm, I'm wanting to do this. I'm wanting to do this right. Can you give me specific guidance? Okay. So some local authorities actually run health and safety training courses right. uh, that you can attend. And it's worth going to your local authority and seeing if any of those uh, uh, options are there for you. Um, there are a, a, a vast array, to be honest, of independent um, health and safety providers colleges, further education establishments that, again, offer um, health and safety qualifications. One of the most significant of these is IOSH, I-O-S-H. And again, your uh, listeners can uh, can uh, uh, search for this, uh, where they run nationally recognized health and safety qualifications. Uh, managing health and safety is uh, is one of them. And, uh, and that's certainly a course that uh, is well regarded in uh, 
in the industry, including by enforcement officers. Um, again, if you go to the HSE website, um, it will guide you in terms of how to do a risk assessment, and they provide some templates on the website uh, showing you sort of model risk assessments, how it should be done. Uh, they do stress you, what you shouldn't do is just print them off and say, thanks very much, that's my job done. You, know? <laughs> you obviously need to uh, review them in light of your own operation. Sure. But they're very, very helpful and they, they can take a, a person who's never done it before a, 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 long, a long way. Excellent. And obviously, in the past few months, health and safety and local authority um, health officers have have really kind of been flung to the forefront with everything that we've been dealing with. Um, for you, what have been what are the key things, let's say, that from a health and safety point of view, that we should be looking at continually now within within spas? Well, it's been a very interesting, if not extremely challenging time mm. for industry across the board. Um, what we've noticed in 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 our business and in our profession is we've noticed that uh, the world of hospitality, and by that I mean the wider world of hospitality, including yeah. leisure, including spa operators, have been magnificent. Yeah. Uh, I think the efforts that people have put in to make their businesses COVID secure um, have been superb. And um, and actually, you know, what I was saying a moment ago about risk assessments and how you know sometimes people come at it the the wrong way uh this mo- more recent experience has been uh a, has been a clear view of people doing it exactly the right way um they've been looking at genuine risk and how can we manage out that risk yeah i think that uh, i actually think this experience i mean <laughs> things will go back to normal yeah uh, is my is 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 my my view as an environmental health officer for the last 35 years <laughs> we will get back to normal uh, it doesn't feel like it at times but we will um I do think, however, there were some things that will not go away, and uh, that's probably a very good thing. I think hygiene, um, uh, some uh, hotel manager uh, said to me the other day, and I thought it was a very good phrase, he says, hygiene has come out of the kitchen and joined the rest of the hotel operation, and he's right. Mm. Um, Now, spa facilities have always had a a, a genuine focus on hygiene. Um, uh, But, you know, I think the public's expectation now is going to be very much higher going forward. I think some things will not disappear. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the hand sanitizer will ever go away again, to be honest, I think. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully people won't be following you around with it and kind of spraying you <laughs> constantly with this. Indeed, indeed. But I think, I think that um, you know, spa operators, um, leisure operators would be very, very well advised to see hygiene as absolutely center of everything mm. they do. You know, I, 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 as an environmental health officer, have seen over the years, you go to businesses uh, that don't have hygiene mm. uh, centre stage. Um, and, you know, more often than not, the business owner or the directors or the senior managers are saying to me, oh, you know, business is so tough. And I think, well, I have been to other places this week where hygiene is centre stage and they don't seem to be finding it so yeah. tough. Yeah. You know, so people vote with their feet. So, And I think that's going to be a big I think that's going to be a big key issue for people going forward. I think the one interesting thing within spas is we we kind of built built it into the whole process, and we got very very good at um, uh, having that hygiene in place, but keeping it sort of not hidden, but you know, away from from the the general public, so that it so that it didn't sort of affect their their experience. Whereas now it's like like you say, it's come out of the kitchen. It's it's come out from behind the scenes, and now 
now actually people want to see that in place and feel better and feel safer and actually feel more relaxed knowing it's there and seeing that it's there than just assuming. I, I would I think it's been a complete sea change. I would totally agree yeah. with you. Yeah. Absolutely. But I, I, I'm so pleased that you've you've highlighted that about the the spa industry and the hospitality industry because I agree as well. I think I think we've we've handled everything that's been thrown at us, and it's still incredibly hard and it's still very difficult. But I, I think we have adapted so incredibly well throughout this this whole experience, certainly from a point of view of health and safety and hygiene. So uh, I appreciate you saying that, Gareth. Um, so, is there anything else do you think coming down the pipeline that we kind of need to be aware of? either from a, a, a COVID point of view or, or anything else that may be coming along in the future? I think in, term, no, I think in terms of the future, we are in a, in a highly regulated area in the, in the spa world. And, uh, and that's for a reason. Uh, it's because the business is potentially hazardous if people get it wrong. Yep. And in terms of are there going to be new things going forward, I think that your listeners would be... Um, uh, well advised to look at the tried and tested areas of control that are so important to them. Um, and, you know, top of my mind would be Legionella, Legionnaire's right. disease. Um, now, things do change. Um, and uh, again, I would urge people listening to get onto that HSC uh, website, I'll just repeat it, it's, it's hsc.gov.uk, um, and read up, for example, the latest guidance. Again, it might be just helpful if I briefly explained to those listening uh, the way the situation works in terms That'd of technical great. information. Um, we have the law that I've talked about already. We then have uh, these documents called approved codes of practice, ACOP, right. we call them. And one, uh, they don't exist for every subject. So they only exist for the subjects that the government deemed to, uh, the health and safety executive deemed to be the big high-risk areas. Mm -hmm. But one, for example, exists for uh, Legionnaire's disease. Um, okay. And we call this document L8. And L8 is an extremely important document. An approved code of practice, the way it basically works, is that the, 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 the law is saying to you, um, do it like this, and you will be basically exercising due diligence. You will right. have a legal defense. You don't need to do it like this because it's not law, you can do it your own way. But if it goes wrong, it'll be totally incumbent on you to explain why your way was better than us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so my advice is, don't do it, do it your way. way. <laughs> do, do it the way they're saying, for sure. And that's what an approved code of practice is. L8 has been around for a very long time. It's not news. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not a new thing at all. However, below these approved codes of practice, uh, we have what we call guidance, guidance notes. Ah, right. And, um, and guidance notes, uh, so for example, uh, th there's a number of guidance notes. There's one that deals with hot and cold. Uh, this is, again, I'm just sticking on Legionnaire's disease for the moment. Wow, okay. Um, th there is a guidance note that deals uh, with um, hot and cold water distribution systems. So, you know, if you've got shower facilities, for example, Mm -hmm. How are you meant to manage those? Now, these are not; these don't have the same legal status that the ACOP approved code of practice has. Right. But these are now practical guidance to show you how you can make things safer, how you can do it properly. Basically, there is one that exists for spa facilities, um, HSG two six two, and <laughs> just off the top um, of your head. <laughs> just off the top of your head. And uh, and. I
urge again i would urge the um i would urge those listening to get onto the website uh search for the guidance on spa pools and legionella um uh it, it, it's been out a little while now uh but it's something that i think a lot of spa operators are still not really au fait with and uh, and I would urge them to look at that and 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 to really understand. Although it deals with the risk from legionnaires, um, what's great about the document is it's really a manual to how to operate safely right across the board, yep. and it's got great information in it. And I would strongly advocate people reading that. Amazing, thank you, Gareth. Now, we've obviously for National Spa Week, we're focusing very much on the UK here, uh, and obviously the Health and Safe Health and Safety Executive is a a, a UK uh, organisation linked to the government. I presume there are overseas similar bodies and authorities as well that we could maybe put links in the show notes to. Yeah, very much so. Um, the the you know uh, Clifton, our organisation has uh, has operated over the years in seventy different countries, so wow. we have seen a. We've seen a, a, a very wide range of, uh, of legal formats. <laughs> what, what is interesting, I think, is how similar uh, many, if not all of them, really are. Um, you, you spoke a moment ago about you know, what's new coming down the track. Hmm. Um, actually, a lot of health and safety is not new. <laughs> it's, it's well understood and it's tried and tested. And it, and it is enforced in a very similar way right. uh, throughout, throughout the world. Um, yes, you see... Uh, uh, certain variations, uh, certainly in terms of the way that the authorities um, uh, deal with with risk. So, mm. for, for for listeners, for example, um, in the United States, they will be very very uh, au fait, I'm sure, uh, with the organisation OSHA, uh, which yep. is effectively the, the the legal entity in America uh, uh, that deals with health and safety. They're very high profile OSHA. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, uh, are very exacting in terms of their requirements. But in my opinion, uh, the, the difference you see perhaps in the US from uh, a lot of Northern Europe, in particular the European Union generally, mm-hmm. um, is that uh, in my experience, they're, a little, they're almost a little fairer in the US. They, okay. um, they, the penalty is sometimes not quite as draconian. And, that was, that um, was not what I was expecting you to say. I thought you were going to say the entire opposite than that. Uh, and I think that's it. You know, there is there is certainly a, a, a quite a challenge in terms of uh, civil litigation uh, in certain parts of the world, and, and in the US and Canada in particular, <laughs> that could be <laughs> that could be very challenging. Um, but on the enforcement side, no, I, actually, I would say that uh, they're, they're slightly more gentle in their approach, in uh, in my experience of things. So, wow. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Gareth, that has been a, a fantastic sort of overview introduction in, into the, the world of health and safety for anyone who's kind of new to it or, or wanted a refresher. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, find out more about you and what Clifton do, what's, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, yeah, I mean, they, uh, we would always welcome anybody who, who needs advice in any way, shape or form, not just on a commercial basis, but if they want to be redirected to, uh, to, to uh, the appropriate channels, we're more than able to, to help. Um, I would suggest that in the first instance, if they want to make contact with us, send us an email. Uh, you can send an email to uh, support at Clifton Eme. That's uh, Clifton, E-A-M-E, uh, .co.uk. Uh, they can send an email and we'll, uh, we will respond for sure and uh, direct anyone accordingly. Amazing. Thank you again for your time, Gareth. Are there any sort of final thoughts you'd like to leave us with before we uh, say goodbye? Yeah, I, I, I think my final thoughts to people, you know, I know that out there, uh, people, as I say, are trying to reju- uh, are trying to run legitimate, excellent businesses, and in a, in a 
in a in a marvelous entrepreneurial way. Mm-hmm. And and I would say uh, that you know we're not dealing with people out there who are trying to break the law in any way, shape, or form. But health and safety is challenging, and it mm-hmm. is uh, it is a complex area. Uh, and I would say, particularly those coming to management for the first time, you know, tread carefully. You know, go forward little by bit. Don't have sleepless nights for sure. Um, but you know, be put health and safety uh, on the agenda, shall we say? Mm-hmm. And put it on the agenda every week in its own little way, and make it uh, make it a part of your business along with anything else or of, of equal significance, and you won't go too far wrong. Wonderful. Thank you again, Gareth. Really appreciate you sharing your time and expertise with us this week. Lovely. Many thanks, Adam. Speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye told you he knew his stuff so what do you think not quite so scared of health and safety now are you hopefully now you can see it really is something designed to help you in your business and now you know that you are probably not going to prison we hopefully not anyway that should lighten the load so thank you again to gareth for sharing his expertise and his time with us on the episode today now i've said it before but it stands saying again that the uk spa association not only creates events like national spa week each year to help the whole industry grow but they fight for the industry throughout the uk and that is something that has become so incredibly important over the course of this year Now, the UK Spark Association will continue to support and fight for you, fight for your business and for your team as long as we can, but we really do need your support too. There's no doubt about it that together we are much stronger. So if you are based in the UK and you're not already a member of the UK Spark Association, please go to www.spar-uk.org and either sign up as a member today or register your interest and we'll send you out some more information. And the website is also where you can find out more supporting information about today's topic of health and safety. And we have a lot more for you to check out. And as well as there's more information there about what's still to come this week. Now on that note, tomorrow here on the podcast, we are talking salt. Wait, what? More specifically, halo therapy. Yes, I didn't know what it was either until about three weeks ago, but let me tell you, I now know a lot more about it after speaking with tomorrow's guest. And trust me, as soon as we are allowed back out in the real world, I am checking me out some halo therapy. So if you want to know what I'm talking about, join me for my episode tomorrow. If you don't want to miss out on any of the episodes this week, no problem in whatever podcast app you are listening to me on right now. Just find the button that says subscribe, click it, And not only will you get a notification as soon as the next episode is released, but you'll be able to check out all the other episodes that have come before this one. So that's it from me for now. I will see you again tomorrow. See you soon.